Hello, and welcome to Books in the Corner, the podcast where me and my friends reread our childhood favorites and discuss how they continue to impact us today. In this week's episode, I am joined by another one of my dear friends to discuss The Horse and His Boy. Hello! Welcome back to Books in the Corner. I am your host, Lissy, and this week I'm so excited because we are finally going to talk about The Horse and His Boy. This week I'm joined by my dear friend, Hope. Hello. And I'm so excited that you're doing this with me. Me too! I... Yes, it. I procrastinated rereading this book. I'm going to be honest. It's I. It's okay. <laughs> this is out of all of the rereads I did. This is the only one that I didn't annotate, mm. so I have no notes to go off of for this conversation. Oh my gosh! So, same. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. This this might be a mini sode, and that's okay. That's just fine. So, uh, hope. Listen. <laughs> um. What is, why Horseman's Boy? Why did you choose Horseman's Boy? What impact has this book specifically from the Narnia series had on you in your childhood and as you've grown up? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this book, a lot of it um, circles around, a lot of it centers around, um, like, Tashban, mm-hmm. which is like, when you hear like the descriptions of it and like the little pictures that I did see us do these little pictures himself. Or... These um these ones and the editions we have these are by Pauline Baines. Okay, well they look like very Middle Eastern ish, mm-hmm. and that's where I grew up. So I think I have a bit of an emotional connection there. Like oh this is familiar to me. Mm-hmm. This is kind of close to home for me. Um, and also <laughs> I don't know. So I read this in my homeschool curriculum when I was in middle school, I believe. And then in my freshman year of high school, I took an acting class with Miss Rumbaugh. Miss Rumbaugh, mm. excellent director, queen, wonderful teacher, absolute amazing boss. person. Um, so <laughs> the first class of the day had to read a devotional to the start of the class. Um, she didn't do that. <laughs> she instead read The Horse and His Boy. And so I have that sort of connection to it, is that one of my favorite teachers and favorite people read it to me as a devotional. And it's great. That is it's, it's an excellent story as well. I love that she did that. That's such a, that's my um seventh grade Bible teacher had also planned to read through Narnia with us and then she had to leave very soon unfortunately but mm-hmm. um yeah this is um my two this is probably my second favorite Narnia book I would have to say what's your favorite the voice of the dawn shutter fair of course fair. <laughs> <laughs> which at this point I've already recorded that episode but listeners you have yet to hear the excellent conversation that I had there. It's my fault. It's I, okay. I didn't read it it's when okay. she asked me to the first time. It's okay. It's <laughs> to okay. Be fair, I'm a university student and I'm very, very busy. We're we're both we're both in school. We've got jobs and family and life. 
is hectic. The other book I was I've been reading for fun mm-hmm. over this Christmas break. I started last summer and I didn't read hardly any of it during yeah. the semester. That's how busy I've been. Yeah, my um I had goal a goal to read 75 books this year because last year I managed to read 50 books mm-hmm. from July to December and so I was like I can handle 75 books in the whole year um and unfortunately the universe had other plans and a lot of crappy things happened this year and so mm. I only read 40 books fair enough so I gosh dang it universe <laughs> and I keep getting because it's the, it was the end of the year like people are posting the how many books I read this year videos on YouTube and I keep getting there's this one person I'm not gonna name names there's this one person who is like I read 150 books this year and I'm just like how (laughs) I hate you I love you but I I hate hate you (laughs) why are you telling me this why are you good at reading (laughs) why are you a fast reader that's my Mm -hmm. thing is i love i love 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 to read but i am since getting covid Mm -hmm. and having to deal with the symptoms of long covid my reading comprehension has significantly declined and my reading speed has also significantly declined so I used to be such a bookworm in elementary and middle school, mm-hmm. and then for some reason I just stopped. Yeah, and like I used to be such a fast reader, like going through these larger books, like books that were advanced for my age, mm-hmm. and just getting through them in like an hour. And now I'm like, I'm struggling to read a paragraph. Yeah, it might be because I'm reading such boring things, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not reading as many books for fun anymore. Yeah, but, like I wish I had continued that. I yeah. wish I hadn't gotten a phone (laughs) oh gosh yeah no the temptation i have every second of the day to just throw my phone in the ocean and Mm. not buy a new one Mm -hmm. which honestly if if i didn't have to use an app uh for work i really think i wouldn't have an iphone anymore because i just hate what it is doing to my brain yeah yeah i get so caught up in like the dopamine fishing oh yeah 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 so the horse and his boy. The horse and his boy. No, but yeah, I think especially for kids in our kind of circle, which is like homeschooled Christian mm-hmm. uh, TCKs, like Narnia was the gateway book into becoming <laughs> the, gateway. the gateway book. There, everyone has a gateway yeah. book that gets them into reading. Every yeah. single person. If you're someone who does not like reading, I do not believe you. You just have not found your gateway book. <laughs> Yeah, you just haven't read any Narnia book. <laughs> well, it might not be Narnia. It could be, for whatever reason, the Lord of the Rings. No offense, hmm. Lord of the Rings people. I think the movies are better. <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> just lost any one listener that I've had. <laughs> Narnia, Narnia, Horses Boy. Um, yeah, this was so. This was my. This is my second favorite Narnia book, and. I think that's because um, I love summer. I hate winter. Mm. I don't like cold weather. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I know you love it. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> um, and the Horseness Boy and the Voyage of the Dawn Trader both are like very summery, hot. The Horseness Boy literally. It, describes, it's literally a desert. <laughs> it literally describes a journey through the desert. Yeah, I mean it's. It doesn't get much warmer. It doesn't get much warmer than a desert. And also, I loved um, that this is. 
the well no we do get a, a kind of a main character who's a talking beast in with reaper cheap um but reaper but even reaper cheap as much as much of an important role as he has i don't think he has as much dialogue as brie and Quinn and Quinn have i'm a horseback rider i love horses i've always loved horses and so as a kid i loved that we got two main characters who have such fun characteristics mm -hmm. and their dialogue is so funny to me yeah <laughs> that and i love that they were horses <laughs> and that it was a horse teaching shasta how to ride and shasta is such an idiot he's <laughs> he's so stupid <laughs> i love shasta so dumb. <laughs> i love shasta but poor kid he's so stupid poor kiddo what was it when he was trying to teach shasta how to ride it's mm. like going through all these things like have you put the saddle on right have you gotten all the reins make sure not to use the reins don't mm -hmm. grab my mane just grip with your knees and all that and like going through all these things and chasta doesn't know anything yeah and he's like now what have you done with the spurs and like chasta's like well i know that much i put them on my heels <laughs> and he's like then you can take them right back <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the other that's the other thing i love like like um that brie is like no -uh, we're not doing reins we're not doing this and this and this mm -hmm. like you don't i'm telling you where we're going yeah you're my boy <laughs> <laughs> i am not your horse no 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 certainly not yeah and like, um oh my i also love 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 i briefly mentioned this in um briefly br <laughs> <laughs> I briefly mentioned this um, when I talked with Theo about Prince Caspian, mm -hmm. but um, I love that we get to see the Pevensies mid-reign, and they're adults now, yeah! and I love that we get some badass Lucy. Oh, yeah. We learn that she's a warrior, she's yeah. a, almost, she's a better archer than Susan, ha! she's got a sword, she rides into battle with her brothers, mm -hmm. it's my favorite thing ever, and she is coded as a lesbian in my brain. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I would love to talk more about that, but I had a thought. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we see Susan ruling as a queen yeah. in her adventures, and that makes the last battle so sad. Yes! Oh my gosh. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I remember being absolutely devastated. I am a firm defender of Susan. I... There are some people who think that the ending of the last battle means that Susan never, ever, ever gets into Azan's country and she mm -hmm. essentially goes to hell. I do not believe that at Whoa. all. That is not what I got. I just thought she went like to a different version of heaven. Well, she didn't die. Oh, like when she dies. Yeah, no. what when she dies? No, I, I, I. If she dies, I do think. Well, because the Pevensey's parents make it to Aslan's country. They never went to Narnia. Yeah, yeah. there's like a part in the end where they're like running and they see their parents mm. and they're just waving. Mm. It's like, oh, so nice. So nice. But um, yeah. So and I. I also thought it was interesting because Susan, we do get to kind of see she is a lot different from her siblings in that she she is kind of more like stereotypical princess, mm. like stays at home. She's very feminine. Very feminine. Um, but she, she was quick to like 
come to the aid of um Shasta and mm. getting core back into the castle and switching them and then when they made their escape um and we we get this at the end of the line of the witch in the wardrobe too there's a a little small line that's like and susan and lucy both grew up to be great beauties and susan received many proposals and in this book you kind of see a hint of like she's very feminine mm -hmm. she's in a sense, made out to be slightly loosey-goosey <laughs> loosey-goosey <laughs> compared to the rest of her siblings, but she has she is strategic and she yeah. has not she's not ditzy, she's not dumb. No. Um, and she uses this this potential engagement to this guy who she does not like mm -hmm. to their advantage, um, to get the Narnians out of Tashban. Mm -hmm. Um which I don't know. I I loved that we got to see the Pevensies grown up mm -hmm. um, in this book. Yeah, you know who I did think was rather ditzy at first. That one girl, that Erevis Lazarine, <laughs> Lazarine. Oh dear. I used to love mm -hmm. her as a kid. I kind mm -hmm. of still do, just because she's so <laughs> she's so she, silly. She's so silly. <laughs> Yeah, I love that C.S. Lewis, he, there's a sentence that's just like, each thought the other very silly. Yeah. And that's like, maybe, okay, so Erebus is just, I don't know, not super into the girly stuff, mm -hmm. and Lazarine very into the girly stuff, mm -hmm. and I think the other silly for it, mm -hmm. but maybe neither of them are silly, maybe each just have their own differences. Yeah. yeah. They, they live... In their own different worlds and lazareline is she's talking about the things in her world that's what she's used to that's what she's accustomed to yeah that's what the people around her talk yeah. like so erevis coming in and trying to be directly to the point yeah. about this very serious thing that's kind of out of out of her, the ordinary out of her realm she's kind of like that's weird anyway yeah but she doesn't like use their differences as a reason to not help Erebus when she needs it. Yeah. Which I really like, because, like, you can kind of look at it as, as Lazareline fits into a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And Erebus does not. Mm -hmm. And just because Erebus does not, does not mean that Lazareline is just gonna be like, no, you're weird, you're not, you don't fit the ordinary, you're, mm -hmm. like, out of touch with everything, so I'm just not gonna help you. She, even though she's silly and ditzy and kind of moving around and not really getting to the point, she still helps her friend. Yeah, like she's still capable. She's yeah. a capable woman. Yeah, she just likes different things. Life. Yeah, I really liked that. Mm -hmm. Not just like, oh, we have this silly character here. She's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> she's so dumb. We mm -hmm. hate Arab. <laughs> she's not like Arabish. She's not badass. Yeah. Therefore, she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no. She she is definitely here for a little bit of comedic relief. A little bit, yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, she's still she's still good. She's still yeah. got a good heart, and I'm glad that she was included. And I love her name. The names in this Lazarine. book, top tier Amazing. names. Erebus, I might name my. Child I would Erebus. name my child Erebus. Oh my gosh. One hundred percent. I, what what was the prince's name? Corin. Corin or Cor. 
No, the other one. Or is that Shasta's name? Yeah, Shasta's real name is Kor. That's right. And Stupid then there's name. Corin. What? Kor and Corin. Unimaginative parents. I know. Are we having twins? Oh, we only planned for one. What was the one it's, name? It's, it's, like na- <laughs> it's like having twin girls and naming them Abby and Abigail. Yeah, no. You Abby, don't do that. <laughs> Abby is a nickname for Abigail. Right. Cor is a nickname for Cor. Right. Did they only come up with Cor and I'm like, oh, we got to. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways. No, my Whoopsies. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, this might have been my introduction. One of my introductions to Enemies to Lovers. Yes. Because Erebus and Erebus. Or... Yeah. Oh um, my goodness. I wonder how long Shasta went by Shasta just because he was like, that's my name. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up having this name. Yeah. This is definitely, it, it is like a Prince and the Pauper mm-hmm. twist. Yeah, no, that, that final quip at the very end of the book that's like, and Erebus and Shasta fought so much that they just got married to make it more convenient. <laughs> yes, I, okay, one of my other favorite books ends somewhat similarly. It's like Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. Spoilers. It's a happy ending. <laughs> they get married and they argue a lot. <laughs> Anyways, but yes, um, I really like. I really, really like that. <laughs> it's so yeah, I like me. it. I think it's funny, mm-hmm. but also maybe not in certain situations the best reason maybe to not. be married no, or not the best in a reason, relationship. But like, if there's like a certain sort of what's the word? Not charisma. Chemistry. Chemistry. If you have chemistry when you argue, <laughs> like banter, yeah, Banter's banter, good. banter, more banter, less arguing and fighting. Love a good banter. I hope my future partner is good at banter. Mm-hmm. If they're not, I'm going to be very bored. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know what broke my heart as a kid, but now I understand. Mm. Like, uh, Brie and Huynh lived happily to a great age in Narnia and both got married, but not to one another. As a child, I was like, no. I no. <laughs> I honestly it, it, that never bothered me, and I am really glad it, it that, that they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad now. Yeah, like I'm like okay. Well, we can't all have exactly mm-hmm. all the things tied in a neat little ribbon exactly the way we expect. Yeah, but did yeah. you do you know there's a there's a theory, a fun fan theory that um, uh, Edmund's horse Philip from the movies is a descendant of Brie. Wait. Do you but mean it, descendant or ancestor? Descendant. But because oh. it would be like... Right, because Philip doesn't appear until they go back into the... Yeah, okay. Well, cause, but it wouldn't completely make sense with the timeline because in the movie, uh, Edmund has Philip when they're in oh. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. And that's before all of this takes place. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be someone's descendant. When before, when they, or maybe, before they or maybe kids. it was ancestor. Maybe it was ancestor. That would make more sense. I related, related, possibly, possibly related. But yeah. Oh, Brie, so self-conscious that talking horses don't roll. Oh yes, <laughs> he so didn't. Scared. He didn't know. If, oh. Baby, oh yeah. my god! Out of all of the books, this book has the most kind of not child-friendly themes in it. I mean, Brie and Huynh being kidnapped and forced into slavery, essentially. <laughs> uh, child marriage er- from for Erebus and Lazareline. Uh. And then there's also um, 
like spiritually well yeah i guess spiritually speaking the character of aslan in this book is so much different mm-hmm. i feel like than how we see him in other books he's mm-hmm. kind of like like this is the book where we see the he is not a tame lion aspect of mm-hmm. him of him up until this point I we've really only seen the good things I kind of really like that you do this book yeah i like like they say he is not a tame lion mm-hmm. i like seeing that he is not a tame lion. Yeah. And I think it is good that that it C.S. Lewis did intentionally kind of be like, here's the good parts, he's not a tame lion, and here's why, or here's when, here's the proof of that. Um, but it does kind of bring up some questions that even, you know, you know, not in the books, but in real life that people have, like, of God. Because I'm thinking specifically of the scene when um, they're being chased in the desert and Aslan jumps on Erebus's back mm-hmm. and pretty much skins her back. Yeah. And in the end, there's a part where where I think he and Erebus, or he's talking to Erebus, and he's like, I, I needed to, in order, for, had I not done that, you would have not done... Uh, I, I'm remembering it. Yeah. Like, because... But it brings up that question that a lot of people have of, does God punish? Do bad things come from God? If bad things happen to you, are they happening because you've disobeyed God or done something wrong? Mm. Which is... It, it brings up a lot of thoughts about the character of God. It does. I think it is within God's character to punish. He has punished. Hmm. But, like, remember Shasta, he's like, I must be the most unfortunate boy in the world, because a lot of bad things have happened Mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. They haven't been punishments, though. Yeah. It's it's been character development. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) I don't know. I'm more on the side of I don't believe... I God I I think God has the ability to punish. Mm-hmm. I think God has punished in the past. But I also kind of think like there are like we don't have Jesus walking among us in the real world right now like we did yeah. during Jesus time <laughs> when he was <laughs> when here. he was alive. Well, he still well, uh, when he when was he... when he was on earth. <laughs> um as a human person. Yeah, and then there are different things, like, we don't, there are still miracles, but they don't happen as often as they, as we see them happening in the New Testament, and it's kind of like that idea of, like, I think it was something that happened before, and it's not necessarily something that happens now, at least not, I don't think, physical ailments are punishment from god mm-hmm. that's something yeah. that a lot of, that's of people ableist. yeah it's ableism yeah yeah because that's something you hear a lot unfortunately in church if a kid gets extremely sick terminally ill or is undiagnosed with something that is extremely dangerous mm-hmm what you will get a lot is pastors or elders sitting down with the parents and asking them what they think they've done wrong for God to punish them. 
by causing this to happen to their child that hardcore sex Mm -hmm. and you also you also get that in terms of like if if a christian couple divorces or splits up you'll get a pastor or an elder coming to them and saying what have you done to make god angry and you need to repent so i don't think i i don't think like i don't think god would come down to earth right now and stab me with a knife (laughs) and then be like i did this for your own good yeah i to be honest i was kind of when like i was reading the scene happen i was like why is he doing this Mm -hmm. that's not fair and then i read how it was fair like one slash for every whip that okay but he's also he's punishing her for the actions of other people no he's punishing her for her actions she what was it she drugged the maid and left her in the woods and did not care that she would be whipped as punishment Mm. that when I read that, I thought, she's really uncaring. So when she did get her equivalent whiplash, mm-hmm. I I was kind of content. Like, okay, I... that's fair. And they healed really fast. The lion slashes, they healed right. way faster than I think an actual lion. Right, yeah. Spread. There, There is that sense of, like, supernatural lion slashes. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I still don't... It's true, like, like her leaving her maid knowing what would happen to her just dick move giving a crap yeah dick move Mm -hmm. that being said she was not the one who made the decision to whip the maid yeah like there was an amount of responsibility with whoever ordered that and then there was an amount of responsibility with whoever carried it out i don't think but like i think it was not because she carried it out it's that she didn't care that it would happen to this but maid. did she didn't take any precautions to protect the maid but did she know that that would happen to the maid yes i think that was established i well i think she i i would i always read it as i think she knew that she would probably be punished i don't think she knew that she would be whipped because that is an extreme pun- i'm not i'm not to be clear i am not defending erebus because that was not a good yeah. thing to do she could have just sent the servant back and been like tell them i'm dead or something i don't know um like she could have and she could have paid like she had money she was a rich kid she could have given the servant a bunch of money and been like don't tell anybody what happened um so i'm not completely defending Erebus. i just personally do not quite know if Aslan punishing her was really in like aligning with the character of God. So, okay, here's the part where it describes the Arab. Yes. <laughs> um, so Shasta says, And what happened to the girl, the one you drugged? Doubtless she was beaten for sleeping late, said Erebus coolly. But she was a tool and spy of by Snap. Of my stepmothers. I am very glad they should beat her. So she's like, not only does she not care mm-hmm. that this poor innocent soul is being whipped, beaten, mm-hmm. but she's like, I want her to be beaten because I don't like the people she works for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I feel so sorry for that maid. Mm -hmm. I was just like, and Erebus just, ah, I was so mad at her. Yeah. I, I needed her to be humbled. Mm -hmm. I was happy she was humbled. I I agree. I do think she needed, mm -hmm. she was, she, she was very privileged Mm -hmm. royalty who didn't really have much empathy for anyone below her. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that, too, with her relationship with Shasta a bit. Yeah. Um, she was very snooty. Very snooty. Even with even with the horses, a little bit. Not as much with the horses. She does seem to have, a, like, at least a, an ounce of respect for Brie. Yeah. She's like, it's a... It's a war horse. Yeah. And it's a magical war horse. It's a magical war horse. <laughs> it's different than this runaway servant boy, mm-hmm. who she must consider quite beneath her, even though she's running away and has essentially put herself in the same status. But right. She hasn't quite come to grips with that yet. Yeah, she doesn't... She she needed a reality check. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do agree that she, she needed to be humbled. Yeah, she I, needed to realize her mistakes. Um, I forgot about that line, so thank you for reading that. Um... But I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not comfortable with it. I know. <laughs> and it's... it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's like, is this one of those things that it's not supposed to be comfortable, but necessary? Right. Or is it one of those things where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't be comfortable yeah. with that. God isn't always comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. No, he's not. A house cat. Well, he did turn himself. He did turn himself. Yeah, yeah. And this is constant house cat. Yeah, and this is the this is we do have to make a slight. I I I personally need when reading these books have to keep reminding myself that Aslan is merely a representation of God and not actually like yeah it's C.S. what God is like. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's for the good parts. It's like I. I want that. I wish that. I yeah. and it's like, I, Athea once described it to me as like Aslan is like a a version of God that you can keep in your pocket to remind you mm. of how great the real God actually is. I really like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Theo's so smart. Um, <laughs> Theo's so smart. <laughs> um, Theo, you're so smart. You're so smart. We love you, Theo. <laughs> Much love. Um, I can't see it, but I'm making the little, little yeah. We're doing your heart. We're doing the heart. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to put God in a box. It's very hard to put God in a lion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. A lion yeah. is a sort of box. Yeah. I mean, it's a lion. <laughs> a lion is a sort of box. Yeah. It's hard because um, Aslan is kind of, at least in in the circles I grew up in, is, is kind of viewed as the best fictional representation of, of of our real god that we have i think he's a good one i think he's definitely a good one i at least from what i i granted i have not read a lot of <laughs> uh fiction where there is a different version of of our mm-hmm. god uh but there there's one i've read it's the wing feather saga oh yes that's but right that one that one it, it's kind of like in our day-to-day lives where there's not like a being yeah that is god that is walking among us yeah there's not like an aslan a lion that shows up every once in a while mm-hmm. it's there is no physical representation yeah, just the creator yeah who's kind of there and i think i think the cool thing with aslan is we kind of get that three-in-one situation where aslan is the wind kind of like a spirit aslan is also in a physical form kind of like Mm -hmm. jesus aslan also created the world kind Mm -hmm. of like god so like we do kind of get 
the Trinity as a whole being in Aslan, which is very special. But um, it is also important to remember that as wonderful and amazing as 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 the character of Aslan Mm -hmm. is, it's it's not Aslan is not one should not go about worshiping Aslan. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I thought was really cool was like when Aslan was walking next to Shasta and the not talking horse Mm -hmm. they were walking next to a freaking cliff yes and he was Aslan was walking on the cliffside and was protecting Shasta in the mist and Mm -hmm. Shasta didn't even realize it until like the next day that's my favorite part my favorite part is that he didn't even realize it until later yeah he looked back or walked that path again. I forget what it was. He like looked down the mountain I mean, at like, the oh, path. Shoot. It was like if there were not a it. lion keeping me on this side of the road, mm-hmm. I might have fallen down. <laughs> yeah. Or not even might, like definitely. Would I have fallen. would have fallen down. <laughs> and it's it's such like a it's such a good representation because it's it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but God in the mix. <laughs> like how God impacts your life and where you go. You don't always see it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's only when you look back. Yeah. Or just explore, just, ha- what mm-hmm. is it? Nostalge. Nostalge. <laughs> <laughs> Think back. Think back to the path you walked and then seeing it in a clearer light. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 I love the hermit. Yes. I want to be the hermit. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. That's. That's all I really have to say on the hermit. Yeah. I love him so much. Good hermit. Good hermit. Gosh darn. Good hermit. Got the magic freaking mirror. <laughs> Got the magic. Where the hell did he get a magic pool from? Evil queen. <laughs> Evil queen. Hermit queen. Hermit queen. <laughs> okay, I feel bad for Kor that he came back and it's like, "Hi, you're an heir." And reading the whole book you can tell that's the last thing he wants mm-hmm. he <laughs> he's got to get this horrid thing called an education <laughs> and then corin is just like heck yeah mm-hmm. i'm scot-free yeah <laughs> i don't have to be king anymore <laughs> poor poor Cor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although but he it apparently did a good job mm-hmm. apparently I was yeah, that's what I was about to say. Just like from the vibes, because Corin does not give a crap about yeah. his role. He does not. He probably he, would not have been a good king. Probably would not have made many great decisions. Probably would have done everything with really good intentions, mm. but not great outcomes. Mm-hmm. But well, also, he's he wasn't very academic, and I feel like Shasta, as frustrating as he might have been with all of that, I feel like he probably would have enjoyed getting an education yeah. once he realized yeah once he started it... learning he was, yeah maybe he was like oh this is kind of fun this is how the world works i know things oh my gosh corin his solution to everything is just to push people it's over. just to push people over and start yeah. punching things literally rabidash rabidash comes before the the court the people <sighs> and corin is just like father can i box him please <laughs> <laughs> and then oh my gosh this little snip from Corin, after Rabdash is all like, the bolt of Tash falls from above. Does it ever get caught on a hook halfway? <laughs> <laughs> that part of the book, my siblings and I would always, because we listen to them on audiobooks, like on road trips I and stuff, and too. we would always burst out laughing. <laughs> Does it ever get caught on a hook halfway? <laughs> 
my god. It's my favorite, like, funniest bit in the Corin, movie. Corin, a little bit naive, a <laughs> little bit not realistic, but oh my gosh. Love, love, love Corin. Oh my gosh, here's Cor realizing he'll be king. Oh dear. I don't want to at all. And Corin, I am most dreadfully sorry. I never dreamed of turning up. <laughs> I never dreamed my turning up was going to chisel chisel you out of your kingdom. Hurrah! Hurrah! <laughs> said Corin. I shan't have to be king. <laughs> I shan't have to be king. It's princes have all the fun. <laughs> oh boy. And like Cor and Corin's relationship afterwards like they quarreled and fought just about as often as any other two boys would and all their fights ended if they didn't begin with core getting knocked down corin <laughs> <laughs> um, is just a bulldozer in a human body he stays true to his character <laughs> it sure does oh my gosh yeah stunning yeah i i love um at the end when everyone um like the Pevensies and Cor and Corin, um, they're all like chilling outside having lunch. Mm. This is before uh, is it Rabbitash that gets turned into a donkey? Yes. <laughs> yeah, before Rabbitash gets turned into a donkey, um, and you get to see I I I love Edmund, mm-hmm. love Edmund, um, but you get to see just like you kind of get a glimpse at. like the meaning behind his title of Edmund the Just Mm -hmm. he's kind of very contemplative and very wise and and he makes that comment of Mm -hmm. of uh, he's very diplomatic he makes that comment of even a traitor may mend I know the I know one that did and then he looked very thoughtful thoughtful. he's he's not impulsive he's not rash he's 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 not the silly young boy, the mm-hmm. silly, selfish young boy he once was, mm-hmm. and that's very nice. It's very just, nice, and I, uh, I love that they kept that. That he kept, he yeah. stayed true to Edmund's character, even like on as Edmund was an adult. Um, mm-hmm. and you get to see a bit of this too in, uh, Don Treader mm-hmm. when he has the conversation with Eustace after the Undragoning, mm-hmm. um, where you you. But I like, even though, um, if I'm not mistaken, I get the order of these books mixed up all the time <laughs> in terms of publication. Yeah, so Don Don Shutter, I believe, was written first. Mm. Um, but there is a difference between uh, Don Shutter Edmund and Horse and His Boy Edmund, even because because Horse and His Boy or but. but as like I, we just listed all the things that Horseman's Boy Edmund is is and has become, and how awesome it is. And in Don Treader, you can see the seed of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's already these things, but he's still he's so sassy in that book. <laughs> he's so sassy. He's so sarcastic, um, and so he's still very much a young kid and having fun, mm-hmm. but he takes his story very seriously in Don Treader, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, because he did become a boy again. Yeah. He probably became a bit boyish. Yeah. Again. Oh, we... That's, the whole timing situation with Narnia makes me it's so, so sad. sad! 
Uh, uh, they were adults. They were kings and queens. And, and then they, they go had to back, be little British school children. And then they go back. And but and they're okay with it. They're like they're. Uh, and, I would not be okay. There are so many things about the timing that doesn't make sense. Like when they're in Narnia, and they find the lamppost again. Like after at the end of Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe, and they're like, "What is this?" As if they don't remember it, but they remember. Edmund's transformation, they they remember not being native to Narnia, but they don't remember the lamppost. They don't remember where they came from. That Their doesn't... speech is different. They have no recollection of of any of that. But they remember the battle, they remember the White Witch, they remember what happened with Edmund. And then when they when they go back to England and then they come back in Prince Caspian, there are things about Narnia that they've forgotten um like like it talks about like lucy like again like lucy is a warrior she's going into battle she's fighting wars um she's killing people <laughs> um she's killing people your honor she's <laughs> but but um and she's horseback riding and swimming and doing all these things but when they come back in prince caspian there's this whole section of they can't swim across the channel because uh, Lucy and Edmund don't know how to swim, even though they could <laughs> when they were in Narnia. So it's like basic life skills that they learned in Narnia, like swimming, have been forgotten. I could understand maybe the sword fighting and the archery, yeah. but like swimming, swimming is something you do in real life too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just a fictional hobby. Rivers do exist. Rivers do exist. <laughs> yeah, and it talks about how Susan at their school in in the UK is like the best swimmer in the entire school, but but Lucy and Edmund do not know how to swim at all. It's so confusing hmm. and it's so frustrating because uh, I've already said this, but I was a kid who could not wait to grow up. I hated being a kid. Mm -hmm. I would not, for for any amount of money in the entire world, I would not go back to being a kid. I no. hated being a kid. Mm -hmm. And so the Pevensies just being completely okay with all this time situation happening. I mean, especially Lucy and Edmund were like nine. They had to go through puberty all Ew. over again. Uh, by that Ew. point, like Susan and Edmund were at least in the beginning part of it. So they'd mm -hmm. already like, they already knew what to expect, but Lucy and Edmund had to go through it all yeah. for the first time again. <laughs> it's so, it's just, it's so, so nasty. I hate it. And I or... hate, I, that this is my main issue with the characters in Narnia, is that there isn't any emotion mm -hmm. other than like, oh, well, right, I guess we're going here now. <laughs> it's like, it's, or like, like Caspian at one, in, in Dawn Shredder, they're, they're like about to be like um sold into slavery and he's like cheer up everybody i'm sure it'll turn out all right <laughs> in the end goodbye no and then like in in the silver chair uh, which uh, we'll yeah, talk about when we chair. get there um uh Eust eustace literally watches old caspian die and when he finds out that it was caspian he's like well sucks for him what? i guess he's there's there is no emotion yeah. behind these characters with certain things other than edmund and his transformation and eustace and his transformation those are the two areas where i i think the emotion and the conversations behind it are realistic and beautiful and everywhere else it just doesn't make any sense yep i would like to come back to something you said about how this horse and his boy um 
it goes over some things that are not exactly kid friendly. Yeah. As you said, mm-hmm. like child brides mm-hmm. and the other things. When I read this book, mm-hmm. I was already familiar with such things. Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, like I grew up in the Middle East. I did not think it was a good thing, but I was aware that children were married off to old men. Yeah. Like, I was already aware. And I don't... Okay. I don't think it's bad for children to know these things. No. No. I, I think there are important. a lot of things where it's like, children <clears throat> should not know these things. Mm-hmm. They're too adult. They're too scary. They're too bad. Mm-hmm. I was a child. Yes, they were scary. They were bad. I was able to come to terms with yeah. it. I still acknowledge them as, yeah, that sucks. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Child me and adult me think the same thing about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I was not too weak as a child to handle it. No, not at all. And I, I don't, I, I think that the way that these issues were presented in this book is at a very kid- friendly level yeah. in terms of c.s lewis didn't go into yeah the whole thing of like here's why child brides are not okay yeah um but like they are a thing i don't like pretending that things are not things when they are things to protect the children yeah no i <laughs> Does don't that make sense yeah it's not there's no point if your child is coming from two people who are not parents um if your child is old enough to be to be able to ask what is this mm-hmm they are old enough to receive some version of an explanation. It doesn't yeah. mean you have you to go into to the whole... You don't need to be explicit. You're right. You don't need to be explicit. You don't need to go into the whole history behind things. Um, But, like, if your kid is like, what's the deal? I thought she's mm-hmm. a kid. Why is she being married? You don't have to be like, well, well. In this culture, which we are not a part of, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, yeah, in some parts of the world they, they do that, and it's not really something that we think yeah. is okay. And mm-hmm. that's all you gotta do. That's, that's it. It's like, so easy. <laughs> why? Okay. I don't like us trying to put children in these perfect little worlds. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of putting little safe bubbles around kids. To no. a degree. Keep them safe. Yeah, keep them... But, like, protect also them. keep them prepared Mm -hmm. the real world is the real world and your children are someday going to not be children and they are going to be thrown into the real world yeah and you you have to especially nowadays with the internet there is you have to kind of come to terms with okay either i'm gonna explain this to my kids now and know that i it's coming from me in a way that i want them to know or they're, they're gonna, gonna find it themselves. They're gonna find it themselves, or their friend is gonna find it themselves and tell them. And it might not be a true version of whatever yeah. it is. It might be quite harmful the way they find out right. about such things. But honestly, <clears throat> it's probably gonna happen. Kids it's, are gonna it's find gonna out things in ways they probably shouldn't find out things. Yeah. With the internet being what it is. Mm-hmm. But like, it's still. Okay, parents say it's the parents' job to tell their kids these things Mm -hmm. when they're ready. When the parent is ready or when the kid is ready. Yeah, that's an important... And it's it's also important to remember that different kids are going to be ready for different things at different times. That's true. (laughs) Like, there were things... My sister read, like, the first ten chapters of The Hunger Games when she was 14, (laughs) and she had nightmares. 
she could not get through that series. I read that series for the first time when I was 12, and I had no issues with it. I heckin' loved it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I didn't love the violence, but I was, like, at a different maturity level than for those things, for dystopian books, than my sister was. My sister was much more mature than me in other areas at that age, but... Totally fair. Different kids age at different uh, times. Yeah, there are things that I used to think were really scary that gave me nightmares that mm-hmm. I now think that's silly. That's silly. That's silly. Like I'm into like the horror genre yeah. <laughs> now, and as a kid, I would have been like, no. Yeah. You know? I wonder if part of that was because I just wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to see any of it. I think I've numbed myself now to mm-hmm. it, and now I. <laughs> <laughs> Desens- been desensitized yeah, to been, it. I've desensitized yeah. myself to it. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so kind of talk. So I, I did not grow up in a culture where child brides were a thing. Um, so I'm not coming from a perspective of, of that. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? Like, there is kind of, because Lazarine is also a child bride and yeah. she seems okay with it. I think it's interesting that we kind of get two perspectives Mm -hmm. in a way of that. I'm not saying I support child brides. I don't think that's okay. That is messed up in a lot of ways. Um, My worldview says child brides not super great. Yeah. I can, um, like, I get where Lasserline is coming from, Mm -hmm. though. Her perspective, like, in her culture, like, Marry rich, marry powerful, marry status. Mm -hmm. That is what marriage is for. Yeah. So I see how she thinks marrying someone rich, powerful, important, who cares how old he is. Mm -hmm. She has her uh, priorities in a different place. Mm -hmm. And I guess we, her, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, is, again, kind of like, I guess how I mentioned sooner, like, like Lazarlene and Erevis are kind of foils to each other Mm -hmm. in terms of fitting into a stereotype or not or fitting into an idealized version of what a woman is in a mm-hmm. society yeah. and what is not i'm quite certain that there are lots of young women like lazareline mm-hmm. who think that this is just how it is yeah this is fine yeah and like maybe they want to be rich maybe that just means it means they might be it means they might live more comfortably mm-hmm. and that's and I mean, Lazarine <laughs> definitely seems to be living comfortably. comfortably. She seems comfortable. Oh my gosh. This is such a wild topic jump. But you know something I love? Mm. I love the food descriptions. Yes. Oh my god. This gosh. is not the book to read if you are hungry. Yeah. The, you will eat everything. <laughs> you will want to eat everything. Yeah, there's no. Specifically mm-hmm. with this book, um, with that scene where they're all outside eating and it talks about. For whatever reason, every single time after I read that, because it talks about they're eating, like, cold poultry and, like, fruit and stuff. Every single time, I have to, like, eat, get me some leftover cold chicken out of the fridge, (laughs) just put a bunch of salt on it, get Uh some grapes, get some cheddar cheese. Oh, that sounds so good And it is so good. It is amazing. How could you do this to me so close to dinner? I know. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's six. It is six on the dot. We it's do, time to eat. We do have leftover chicken. Heck yeah. We don't have grapes, but we have berries. Dang it. Oh, berries. berries. <laughs> I want 
isn't there a yogurt drink mentioned in here? Oh, there, cool yogurt drink there on a is. hot summer day. Oh my gosh. Laying on a cushion. There that's the other thing. Because so much of this book takes place in the desert, anytime mm. when they have anything refreshing, it is the It feels, it feels and you, you can have feel it. you can <laughs> feel it. Like when they find that oasis and mm. jump into like the little creek that's there mm-hmm. and they're talking about how like the water tasted sweet and it felt so cool and refreshing. <laughs> it's like Oh my gosh. I want that water. I want that water. Give me that water right now. That is actually a thing. Like, if you, there are people who have done, like, who haven't had access to water for a long time, and it does taste sweet when you have it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I'm dehydrated. I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Miss almost passed out in Ikea. (laughs) Shush, shush. I didn't drink any, drink, any just- I don't think, other than when I've told you to drink water, I don't think you've had any water while you've been here. <laughs> it's so bad. Do you drink water when you're at school? Uh, no comment. Oh my gosh. Oh. Sometimes I remember sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so if you are chronically dehydrated- um, or chronically forgetting to eat, uh, read this book and you will remember. <laughs> you will be so hungry. You will be so, so hungry thirsty. and so thirsty. <laughs> you will fix yourself right up. Indeed. One scene I really like from this book. I really like the tomb scene. Mm. I like little cat. Little cat. little cat that is Aslan that is cat. <laughs> that is Aslan that is cat. This yeah. scene honestly kind of terrified me as a kid. Yeah. Because the idea of yeah. sleeping next to dead bodies. Next to dead bodies. And just the descriptions of the tombs sounded mm-hmm. absolutely horrifying. Those like giant beehives. Yeah. And with like gaping holes. Yes. I ugh. like no thanks. Yeah. I'm quite good. And then the cat showed up and it said how much of a comfort the cat was to Shasta. Yeah. And I was like, oh maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how the jackals show up mm. and then cat turns into lion and jazz is like there's jackals and there's a lion and then like lion chases mm-hmm. the jackals away starts walking back and just closes his eyes and like no, 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 the lion. and then he's like oh there's just the cat um, um, um and he just doesn't question it he, he doesn't well, he's he just doesn't, like oh no, it's just the cat i don't i don't think he at this point he realizes that the cat is and the line are one and the same because he does say something like like the cat ran off and he wished he had the cat back for comfort and then he's like and then he noticed the lion and then the lion leaves and then the cat comes back and he's like well at least you're back now or something like that so i don't mm-hmm. at that point he doesn't quite make the connection like, between the two like okay so the great beast, the great lion, turned to examine chest after changing, chasing the uh, jackals away. And then he's like, oh, here it comes, and he shuts his eyes real tight. And then he felt something warm lying down at his feet, and he's like, well, it's not nearly as big as I thought. It's only half the size. No, it isn't even a quarter of the size. I do declare it's only the cat. I must have dreamed all that about it being as big as a horse. And so he's just like, oh, I must have dreamed up yeah. this lion chasing away these things that were just terrifying me mm-hmm. a minute ago. And what they just left on their own. Yeah. And it was just. Or maybe a he thinks. Cat? Or maybe he thinks the jackals were also yeah. a dream. Yeah, it's true. When, when you wake up in the middle of the night, 
I am much experienced. In a tomb, in a, in a <laughs> graveyard. I am much experienced with being awake in the middle of the night. Lots of things don't make sense. Yeah. I once had, okay, in middle school, I went through a phase where I was obsessed with the YouTuber Liza Koshy. Yeah, same. And I, because I had awful insomnia, I'd be up just watching her videos until like 2 a.m. <laughs> and one night, I fell asleep watching YouTube, and I had been watching her videos, and then I was watching an interesting, like, news report or something. Um, and then I fell asleep, but I didn't realize I had fallen asleep, because in- <laughs> there was no difference because in my dream i was still watching youtube and i watched another news report that said liza koshi had died <gasps> and there was there was zero difference between what i was watching before i fell asleep like there was like the transition was so smooth i did not realize realize i'd fallen asleep at all wow. and then suddenly like i woke up and i was like wait is she dead? <laughs> and then I like pulled out my iPad and I actually looked up if Liza Koshi was dead. She was not dead. She is still she, <laughs> she's, she's still alive, up and running, not doing YouTube anymore. But, but um she was not dead. So yeah, dreams can be <laughs> real life. Real whack, especially when you're anxious. Yeah. Or like Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Shasta, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> But that was so cool. It was. It, and it's, that's the, um, that's the scene used by a lot of Bible teachers. Really? <laughs> to be like, this is God. Hmm. Or, um, I'm pretty sure, like, it was mentioned, um, at school in chapel quite a few times. About yeah. being like, Jesus is always with you even in the darkest moments. And then he defends you when you don't even realize it. Isn't that, isn't the mist and the cliff scene more appropriate for that? I would think so. Um, because you then get the hindsight thing. Well, you do get the hindsight thing with the, with the tombs, but that happens much, much later. They're both good. I prefer the cliff scene because it didn't terrify me as a child. <laughs> um... But yeah, and this is all that. But this, the tomb scene is also a good. Um, you see the kind of a good representation of of Aslan being a tame lion, or not being a tame lion, um, being a good lion, but not being tame. Because um, if he was just good, he probably wouldn't kill anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's the thing about the relationship of goodness and also justice. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's that a hard one. That's a big talk. Mm -hmm. Maybe not for today. Maybe, yeah. We've already had a big talk. Yeah. Was there, before, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or bring up? Um, I don't think so. Just good book. Read the book. Read the book. Gosh darn heck of a good book. Yeah. So is this, would you say this is your favorite Narnia book? Yes, this is my favorite. I think a second is The Silver Chair. Mm. I really like The Silver Chair. Like, of course, like Caspian and Don Treader mm -hmm. and Lion Wish in the Wardrobe. They're all classics. classics. Yeah. Classics. Real good books. But I don't know, just these two little I feel like they might be overlooked sometimes, but like movies weren't made about them. Yeah. But I loved them yeah. so much. But yeah, they are they are definitely good. And I think it's interesting that those are your top two because I would say the silver chair is also uh a book that's somewhat the odd man out in terms of um the character of aslan hmm. because aslan in that one is very distant mm -hmm. the things he the messages he sends aren't entirely clear all the time mm -hmm. and That's and so frustrating with that. 
it's so yeah it's frustrating but it's real and it's yeah. it's like in this one we get to see the not tame part of aslan mm-hmm. and in that one we get to see um he's not always there when he's not going. always physically there yeah. when you want him i said but so wrong he's not always there he's always... <laughs> yeah, no. yeah he's not always physically there when you want him to be but he's always but he's there to give you guidance if you will listen but he is not yes. always going to be right in your face saying yo do this <laughs> all right and that's for the silver chair episode. yes that's for the silver chair episode um we'll see how that one goes i still need to find someone for that so i would offer but <laughs> uh, previously mentioned hectic busy schedule yeah so perhaps not i might just read it again because i want to though yeah do it yeah if and if any of you are um again this this podcast is really to bring up deeper bigger conversations about child like children's literature and childhood favorites and um if any of you are were readers once and just with the busy stress of adulthood and life are not anymore um it's always good to revisit old favorites even if they're not big huge smart looking books um because these books are are the ones in many ways that have had the most impact on us um we can't all be socrates yeah we can't all just talk too much (laughs) we can't we can't (laughs) as the philosophers are wont to do yeah we can't all be we can't all be law students (laughs) (laughs) well but if you are a law student um Uh, good on you good on you but like how (laughs) i don't understand you but maybe put down those law books and go back and read a, a story from your childhood yeah feel a little magic again feel a little magic feel a little magic what's the mary poppins song um triple little light fantastic yeah yeah go back revisit your childhood favorites triple little light fantastic <laughs> feel the magic yeah. yeah be a kid again if only for a minute yes happy ha- happy childrening happy happy, <laughs> happy childrening <laughs> thank, thank you. you thank you for having thank me. you so much for doing this this was so much fun and yeah we will listeners we will be back next week if you haven't picked up on it already i am posting these not in publication order but in chronological order so we will be back next week for um prince caspian bye bye thanks for listening